Thank you for listening to The WageCast, your resource for all things student publications. Here to remind you that even though you may be on an island at your school, when it comes to the student press, we're all in this together. Today we spoke with Lindsay Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Sunflower Newspaper at Wichita State, about some of the struggles and triumphs of college newsrooms. Hey there, I'm Spencer O'Daniel. I'm a 10th year journalism teacher at the Mays Career Academy. And I'm Jake Wilkin. I'm a fourth year journalism advisor at Wichita West High School. Okay, today we're talking to Lindsay Smith, junior at Wichita State University and editor in chief of the Sunflower Student Newspaper at Wichita State. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Thanks for coming good. on. Yeah. And man, it's good to be back. Uh, your student did amazing filling in for me in November and December, but I'm just glad to be back this year and get back to the podcast. Yeah. How's, so, yeah. Uh, how's it feel being a father of two now? Is it, it different? It's game changing. It... To, to think that when I go to work that it's tough or difficult ever, like, no. Ta- you know, clocking into your second job when you go home with two kids, that's what's actually tough. So shout out to my wife, Jenna O'Daniel. She's excited to go back to work here soon as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Awesome. Lindsay, let's start with some something interesting we learned about you even before the podcast started today is your homeschool. Yeah. So let's talk about the homeschool journey and what even brought you to Wichita State. Yeah. So I've been homeschooled my entire education. Pretty much. I've never been to public school, private school, um, which was actually pretty great. I really enjoy being homeschooled. I have two sisters. I'm the middle child. And so we all got to have a lot of time together to spend together and, you know, have some quality time. And our mom did great. Um, I was involved in a lot of extracurriculars, lots of feeder companies being in shows. Um, So definitely got a lot of friendships and experiences out of it. But yeah, I got no high school journalism experience or, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, being in high school and writing for their paper, working for the yearbook. And I mean, I guess I could have started my own and just been the only person on it talking about my family, but uh, that never happened. I know. Um, I just liked to write. And so when it came to coming to Wichita State, um, I wanted to stay kind of close and I wanted to um, not, I wanted to go to state school. My sister had gone to friends and I just didn't really want to go to the same school as her just because I wanted to be kind of my own person. And so I decided on Wichita State. I thought it was a good fit for me. And that's when I started my journalism journey. So it's kind of crazy to go from nothing to to Allah at the same time, but it was good. Yeah. So, so many of our high school journalists, right. They, they go to Wichita state for KSPA and these different mm-hmm. conferences and they get to meet Amy DeVault yeah. and they, they see some of the sunflower journalists and they go to the newsroom, but you know, you're just freshman cold Turkey walking on campus. Mm-hmm. You could have gotten involved with Greek life, Greek life. You could have done like a numerous other student organizations. So like, what was that day that pulled you to the sunflower? How did that all happen? Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. So I knew I was going to be a journalism major, but I kind of thought that I'd end up switching my major down the road because I wasn't really sure if that's what I wanted to go into. I just knew I liked writing and wanted to, you know, make a living off of it. Um, But I decided that I wanted to join the newspaper maybe sophomore year. Maybe not freshman year. I'll see if I switch my major or not. Maybe I'll join it sophomore year. But first day of college orientation, my dad was bored, as all parents are during college orientation. And he started reading The Sunflower and saw an article he really liked. And for some reason, he decided to email the editor-in-chief and was just like, hey, this is I really enjoyed your article. It's very unbiased. I read the entire paper, and the entire paper is just 
great coverage. You know, it's really professional. Just my daughter's coming to Wichita State, and I'm just really happy with her decision. And the editor-in-chief at the time, who was Kylie Cameron, uh, responded and just out of nowhere said, you know, if your daughter's interested in, you know, getting involved in something, she should, you know, look at the sunflower. And I was kind of mad at my father because I didn't want to start freshman year. Um, but I decided to listen to him and I applied and got a job my col- during college orientation, which is super awesome. But um, I'm definitely grateful that he sent that email. Kind of a funny story. He forced me to apply, but it was a good decision. So it sounds like to me you, you came from a family that valued news. So do your parents, did they receive like a daily paper? Did they watch television like the five or six o'clock news growing up? Can you talk a little bit about that for me? Yeah, for sure. So we got the Eagle every Sunday morning um, for as long as I could remember. And honestly, when I was younger, I just read the Sunday comics, <laughs> to be com- completely honest with you. But um, I mean, they kept up to date with news. I wouldn't go as too far to say that they were like news buffs or anything like that. But my my dad is actually a judge. And so he always likes to know kind of what's going on. And so he always knew what current events were happening and would talk to me about it. Um, but yeah, um, they definitely were educated and, you know, taught me that it was important to be educated. Um, and so I kept up to date with news, which is one of the reasons why I chose journalism was I like to write and I like to read the news. Let's see where it gets me kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so I definitely got the Woodshot Eagle every, I think we only got it on Sunday. I don't know if we had the every single day sub- subscription, but but for sure. Your first couple of stories for the Sunflower, did you find your parents, you know, messaging you, emailing you at school? Hey, tell me about that article. What, what were you thinking? Like, were they like sort of critical of your work and what you were doing? I wouldn't say they were critical. They were definitely, they would definitely ask me a lot of questions about it. Um, definitely more interested in my pieces than anyone else's, of course. Of course, yeah. Um, so yeah, I know, I think now they're more critical than they were before, um, just because now I'm doing more of the harder pieces since I'm older and the editor-in-chief. So I think now my dad always asks me about my my big pieces, you know, did you ask this question? Well, see, I think you should do this, kind of that type of thing. Um, just because they're my parents, but in the beginning they were definitely more so excited than critical. Um, so it was, I remember the first time I got the paper, it was on the front page was my first story. And I was so excited because my first story made the front page and I sent it to my family and sent it to my parents and they were all very excited for me. So, so for sure. That's awesome. So how long was it before you got started with the newspaper, before you became editor of the publication? Uh, Was that only about a year, a year and a half? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So I did not want to be editor-in-chief until my senior year. That's always something I've said. Junior, maybe junior year, but probably senior year. Um, So when I was a sophomore, I became the news editor. And that was really awesome. I really liked it. And our editor-in-chief at the time had resigned for personal reasons about a week into the actual semester. So then I just kind of stepped up my game and because I was news editor, most of those responsibilities kind of fell on me. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, the hard news, the breaking news, that was kind of all my responsibility now. Um, And then when they opened applications up, um, me and one of my good friends who also worked there, her name was Morgan, and we both decided we would both be good at that position. So we both applied. Um, And it wasn't like me really, really wanting the role is more me saying, I want them to decide who, you know, who's the best for the position and they chose me. And so, yeah, I was a sophomore. Um, it was, I guess I was officially editor in chief in October of 2020. So I was a sophomore at the time, which is the, at, as long as our advisor's been there um, at Wichita State, that's the youngest the editor in chief has ever been, which was definitely very stressful and very, a lot of just, 
I was very scared for a while just because that's a lot and I didn't have as much experience as other people had. Um, and so it was definitely really stressful and it's still stressful now. Um, but then when applications reopened again, because I hadn't gotten a full year yet, I decided to apply again and then I got it a second year. Um, so now I'm on my second year as editor-in-chief and I'm just, it's been great experience. It's been really stressful, very difficult, you know. Um, it's definitely, it's hard to take a day off sometimes, but it's been really rewarding and I'm really thankful for everything I've learned. Lindsay comes from a long line of very successful Sunflower News editors, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we've had Chance Swaim on the show. Uh, Matt Kelly's doing great work at the Wichita Eagle. Mm -hmm. Kylie's still involved in the community as well. I mean, it's just a matter of time before some of these names are in bigger markets mm -hmm. doing bigger things, right? For sure. So like, you know, this past fall, uh, the Sunflower won its first Pacemaker mm -hmm. Award in, in September. So repeatedly had been a finalist. Um, you know, built the credibility of one of the best newspapers in the country. But um, you, you know, you were part of the team that won the first ever like pacemaker that said basically mm -hmm. like we're a top five now, top three newspaper in the country. You know, how did that feel for you, for Amy and the staff? Yeah. So I was absolutely terrified around, I think, October is when they announced the finalists. And I had I just thought we weren't going to be finalists again. I was like, I'm editor in chief now. I was just really hard on myself. It was a crazy year. So I just kind of accepted the fact that we weren't going to be even a finalist. And then we became a finalist and I was super happy. We were all just really happy to just be a finalist because, you know, 2020, man, <laughs> that was a really sucky year for a lot of people. And just considering the fact everything the Sunflower had been through with an editor resigning, everyone had to, having to step up and just the staff being really young, that was just such a great experience. And then and then we all met up at Chicken and Pickle, all the staff did, um, for the watch, watching the awards show because it was all virtual again. And we, I, I couldn't believe it. I was crying. You know, Amy, our advisor, was jumping up and down crying. And it was, it was really awesome, I think, considering just how crazy that year had been and just how much work that we had put in and how hard on ourselves we were, honestly. We were really hard on ourselves that year because we were a really young staff and we just felt like, I felt like, you know, that we lost a lot of experience when people graduated, when people left, um, which we did, and I still stand by that. Um, but it was really rewarding, and it was it was it's such an honor, and I'm just so thankful that we were even listed with those amazing other college newspapers, just those people that we were listed with. It's just an honor to be, you know, in the same list with them. It's crazy. Extra sweet, no doubt, with all the other variables you were talking mm -hmm. about from the last year. And we had a good conversation before the podcast even started about uh, disconnected staffers or excited mm -hmm. staffers that dropped off all of a sudden. And we're seeing it at the high school and college level yeah. as well. You guys broke a really cool story in early January. I, I believe it was one of your first issues about... Uh, talk about disconnection, right? Fans at college sports mm -hmm. games. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that story. I thought that was so interesting, some of the research you did behind um, nearly half of the people that were coming to Shocker basketball games the past two to three years um, are not coming anymore. Mm -hmm. So that ha so it's down to around 4,500. I'd love to hear, um, I don't I, I don't know how much you were involved with the story, but it, I mean, it was just such an awesome front paper is kind of story. Walk us through how you did that story, the inspiration, you know, just everything about that. Yeah, for sure. So that was mainly our sports editor, Sean Marty. Um, and I don't really know exactly every single step that he went through for that. But I remember it just started with noticing. You know, he would, of course, go to every single game because that was his job. And 
people were talking about how there were hardly any fans there. There were hardly any, the student section wasn't filled up, which is crazy for a shocker basketball game. Um, and, you know, after such a great season last year, you know, they had, they really broke a lot of records last year to see the season start up and not a lot of people go to it. It was just kind of crazy. Um, and so I just think he just did a lot of research because, you know, it was something that everyone knew was happening. Um, and everyone kind of talked about and he, you know, got the attendance, you know, numbers, the amount of tickets were sold, the amount of ticket scans, which there's a difference between mm -hmm. people who buy tickets versus people who actually show up. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was just it was just a lot of just looking at, you know, noticing what was happening and basically saying it <laughs> and just kind of seeing the numbers, you know. Um, because, you know, if you see the front page, it's super cool, you know, because it has every single year and it's been 20 years since attendance has been this bad, you know, except COVID, you know, COVID year they had, they could only have about a thousand people in the arena because of rules. So on a normal year with 100% attendance available, you know, it's really low, which is really crazy. So I think he just, he did a lot of talking to people and finding, you know, the actual data and numbers, and he did a really great job. And then TiVo, who was our design director, also did a great job of making up, you know, that graph. It was a really joint effort between both of them to make that page and that package. Um, teamwork makes a dream work, I like to say, because they did, they both did a really great job, you know, on that front page package. When you have a hard news story like that mm -hmm. and something so important that you know is going to get a ton of eyes on it, right? Like people are in which are going to be talking about this and they're, and they're very cognizant of like the, there's 4,500 people in the arena, like we mentioned, you know, as an editor, what are some things you're checking for when you're reading Sean's story? Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is a question kind of for our student editors in the area, right? Or all around the country is like, as an editor, you know, it sounds like you trust Sean in his judgment and mm -hmm. he like did his homework, but what are some things you're looking for in a story like that? Yeah. So my favorite thing to point out, um, to new editors, to new staff members, to high schoolers, whenever they ask me questions is, you know, when you're editing a story, of course, the basics, you have to make sure the data is correct. You have to make sure the names are spelled right. You know, all the all those, you know, basic good things. But also, if you finish a story and you still have questions, what are those questions? You know, what are those questions that you still don't you still want to know as a reader that, you know, other people don't know and that the story didn't answer for you? So, you know, with Sean, you know, he has been covering sports. He's a senior now and has been covering sports since his freshman year. Um, and he knows so many things about sports and about Shockers basketball. Um, so when he writes stories, you know, as me, as someone who doesn't really know a lot about basketball, who doesn't really know about the sports, um, it's kind of nice to have someone who doesn't know a lot about it to be able to ask those questions. And so I think when it comes to that story specifically, it was more like, what other questions do I have? And, um, you know, and then on top of, of course, the data and the, you know, spelling names, right, and all those things as well, kind of just asking where he gets that information. And like I said, it's a it's a teamwork thing. You mm -hmm. know, people have helped him with that story, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was really proud of him for that story. It was really good and got a lot of people talking. When you talk about, so back to that disconnected theme, I want to talk about, you know, what has the newsroom looked like the past two or three years at the Sunflower? Uh, especially you're talking significantly less FaceTime than we've had with even our high school staff mm -hmm. and then a pacemaker, right? Mm -hmm. So like, which like the value on that is so much higher because of some of the variables like you mentioned earlier. But like, like how have you navigated this virtual newsroom landscape you've kind of mm -hmm. dealt with the last two years? Yeah, it's definitely been very difficult for sure. Um, I think now it's gotten a lot better, but when we first started, we had probably eight people 
who were doing mainly doing all the work and you know you know seeing each other and hanging out and actually doing you know in-person work um so it's definitely been hard to navigate for sure um i think the first semester 2020 fall of 2020 um it was just a lot of the same things over and over again um it was a lot of zoom calls it was a lot of just texting it was a lot of um just really lonely honestly i think everyone felt very lonely in their job um you know which is normal for some people but for you know a college newspaper where we all are it's just so value you know teamwork and being together and making relationships and asking questions it was really difficult but i think um when we started hiring people um it got a lot better because when we hired new people people who had graduated in 2020 from high school um people who really won who you know lost so much of you know their prom of their graduation when we got those people on board it got a lot easier because they really, really, really wanted, you know, that connection and that, you know, that in-person, you know, mm-hmm. learning. Um, and so once we got more and more people who really missed out on that, um, it became easier because then even if we were over Zoom, people would want to be over Zoom. People would want to talk to us. People would, you know, want to be part of those conversations. So I think that um, now it's a lot better because we have we're allowed to be more together. <laughs> um, but for sure, it was really hard, and I think the sunflower, the work, kind of reflected that because we were all just kind of drained and just tired of you know all the calls and Zoom. Um, so it was hard to navigate, and we're still navigating it. You know, I know we because of COVID, a lot of staff members got COVID over the winter break, and so we had to do all of our staff training, which was supposed to be in person, we had to do over Zoom. So mm-hmm. we're, it's just all about being flexible, um, which sometimes really sucks. But you know, when you think about just how much we've missed out on, it's just important now than ever to just you know have those conversations, even if you have to change the way you're having them. How, and this, is, this would be a great question if I had Amy DeVault in front of me as well. Mm-hmm. How have you and Amy DeVault kept the energy and morale high with your staff? Mm-hmm. Like what are some little things that you're doing to keep people excited right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the best thing that I think keeps the sunflower going, keeps people at the sunflower, you know, because if you think about college organizations, people come and then they leave and they come and then they leave and people it's hard to keep people on an organization at um, a student at a club or even if that's not the sunflower is to make them feel like that it's not just the editors you know it's not just me and the section editors who do all the work and we also value them as well so I think something that we have done a good job at is letting them know that that they can come up with their own ideas and that they can come up with their own design ideas and they can come up with their own photo ideas. And we want to know, you know, what those ideas are. I know last semester we did a lot of, you know, fun staff get togethers where we would say, hey, let's, you know, all join together for a meal after our meeting. So let's all have the meeting. Let's all discuss work and then let's, you know, grab food together and have Mm -hmm. some fun. And I think, you know, people want experiences and people want, um, you know, to create a resume, (laughs) you know, that's one of the reasons why they come to the Sunflower Um, or just any college newspaper in general, but they really, you know, they also want to have a college experience and they also want to, you know, feel like they're making connections. Um, And then also another thing that keeps people on the Sunflower is like you said, the long line of successful editors that we've had in the past, 
you know, when you join the Sunflower, and I've always said this, you immediately get so many connections in the professional world. You know, you immediately get two people who are at the Witch.Eagle and more. And you get people at KMUW and you get people who are really respected in the community. Um, and then Amy does a great job of asking those people to come and talk to us and visit with us and um, give us ideas and, you know, train our new staff members. So I think that it's a mixture of all that combined. So at the Sunflower, when there is a high school student or a recent graduate mm-hmm. applying to get a job at the Sunflower, <clears throat> what are the types of things that you're expecting to see in their mm-hmm. portfolio when they apply? And what are the things that you are looking for? in somebody what might be the difference between somebody who you would hire and somebody who would not probably get a position at sunflower yeah so all i really look for is someone who looks like that they want to learn you know of course like i said when i applied to the sunflower when i got hired i did not have any experience at all you know i submitted two research papers that i did which research papers are a lot different than you know pieces that can be published in you know a paper Um, So all I really look for is someone to learn. You know, if someone submits an application and they give, you know, one, three word answers and they're just not really invested, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'll still call them and, you know, interview them and, you know, see what, you know, they why they want to be there. But all I really care about is someone who wants to learn. Um, And then also on top of that, of course, someone with the basic skills, (laughs) you know, can they write, you know, can they take photos if they want to be a photographer? Can they do this? Can they do that? Um, If they have the basic skills down and they want and they have the ability to learn and the want to learn, that's when that's when we want we want them on staff. You know, we're never going to turn someone away just because they don't have the quote unquote experience because the sunflower is supposed to be the experience. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, what, you know, brings you further along. Um, So that's that's really what I look for. So tis the season to think about new leadership for next year, mm-hmm. right? I've actually had more students. What does it take to be an editor, right? Like, what, what do I got to do to be an editor? Um, you know, so what, after you graduate and you know, like, I don't know how much you're a part of the process of picking the next editor at the Sunflower, mm-hmm. but, you know, what are, what are some of those words that stick out to you that make a good high school editor or a good college editor mm-hmm. and, and be in someone, like, that an advisor can really depend on? Yeah, for sure. So... Um, oh, that's a great question. So I, I'm not, (laughs) yeah, very putting me on the spot. That's okay though. Um, best type of questions that way. Um, I, so I'm not involved at all in picking the editor. Our publication board does that and I'm a non-voting member of the pub board. So of course I'll be there during interviews and if they have questions about this person, I'll give them, you know, the advice, but I have no say. I think, you know, I've always told, you know, people have come up to me and said, Hey, I want to apply to be editor in chief, Mm -hmm. you know? What does this mean? What does a job look like? That's something that looks really good. You know, for someone to actually come up to the person who has that position and just ask them, hey, I'm interested in this. How can you help me kind of prepare so I can have a chance at this or that so I can do this in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's always something that, you know, makes me really happy when I get because, you know, I won't be at Energy chief a third year in a row, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I, you know, we really just... I want someone who wants to be there and is willing to ask the questions to in order to get there. Um, and then on top of that, I've always told people, I've had someone recently come up to me and say that she wants to apply, but doesn't know if she wants to get it this year and doesn't, or doesn't think she's ready this year. Mm-hmm. And I always say, apply anyways. The best, you know, if people see that you apply for this job and then maybe you don't get it because, you know, you don't have that experience or maybe someone there has a better experience than you. 
But if you come back the year after and apply, that's going to look really great. You know, for an editor in chief, you really have to be, well, I mean, you have to be pushy. <laughs> of yeah. course, that's not really the right word to say when you're applying for a job. But in reality, you have to have the grit and have, you know, that passion for it. Because I will be honest, being editor in chief of a college newspaper is really stressful sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I just sit down and just, you know, wish I was just a normal college student. You know, it's really stressful, but at the end of the day, as long as you have that willpower and just have, you know, you don't need all the knowledge to be editor-in-chief. You know, you just need the knowledge to know when to ask questions and when to get help. And that's the best advice I've ever been given is don't do everything by yourself. Ask for help. And if you have too much pride to ask for help, then maybe that's not the position for you. So that's what I always tell people when they, you know, want to apply for editor-in-chief. They say, well, I don't have enough experience. And I say, Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was a sophomore. I had hardly any experience. I had no experience in high school, and I still made it work. Um, you just have to have, you know, the judgment and just have to have, you know, be okay with asking questions and getting help. Jake, you ready for that uh, final question? What do we got? Yeah, uh, that was a super awesome final quote, too, for the end. I thought that that was really Absolutely. good. A really good piece of advice. Um a lot of students do not like asking for help, which is silly. Um, but so, Lindsay, we've been ending the podcast with the same question for the last few episodes, um, which is if you were in high school right now, what do you think is a story that high school journalists should be covering r- today? I told myself I was going to think about this and have a great answer, and I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> um Oh, man, that's a hard question. I think there are so many stories out there. Um, I think with COVID right now, COVID is such a big topic. And it, you know, it is, you know, so a lot of people say, well, it's overdone. Well, it's not. It's still happening. I think with COVID right now, the best thing that high school journalists can do is see where students are at with their mental health, with COVID, with um, just everything going around. Um, I think mental health is such an important topic and it's something that I'm really passionate about and something that um, the Sunflower has really focused on this year is mental health. And I think asking students if they're okay and, you know, making sure that they know what proper resources are out there, that's something that I think high schoolers, you know, it's happening prevalently. Mental health, you know, is such a big topic and people are really going through it right now. Um, And I think that's something that I'm really passionate about. And then on top of that, don't leave your teachers out of the conversation too, because I think teachers are also going through it right now. Um, and I think as a high school journalist, you know, you also, you know, have the responsibility to see where they're at too. Um, and then on top of that, just the basics with COVID, what what's happening, you know, where are the quarantine numbers, things like that, just the basics. But um, I think that's something that I'm really passionate about and students deserve to know about. Absolutely. I just, I feel like this podcast is just speaking to our students, right? We've had so many podcasts that are, I feel like speaking to advisors and this is just like a breath of fresh air that, I mean, hey, advisors in the Wichita area, really anywhere in Kansas nationally, you know, turn our podcast on and, and take a listen to some of the things that Lindsay has to say, because I think your students are going to come out better after listening to this one. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks for See you back in February. This episode is sponsored by Wichita native Travis Bile of Jocelyn's Publishing, the most trusted partner in celebrating moments that matter. Travis Bile of Jocelyn's Publishing, the most trusted partner in celebrating moments that matter. This podcast was produced and hosted by Spencer O'Daniel and Jacob Wilkin on behalf of the Wichita Area Journalism Educators. 
Thank you to Wichita High School West for allowing us to use their facilities. Music credit, Talk to Me by Mikey Geiger. West for allowing us to use their facilities. Music credit, Talk to Me by Mikey Geiger. For more information on WAGE, visit our Wichita Area Journalism Educators Group on Facebook and at wichitajournalism.wordpress.com. Have an idea for Email us at wichitajournalism at gmail.com.